Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542 is the number to call if you want to be part of the program. You can also send messages through the KPEL app. Just open up the app, hit the little text button up in the top right corner, select general message. You can send a message to the show. I respond to those both on and off the air. So let's start local because there is a news story that needs updating. And I want to I, I want to go into that. Now, I don't often talk about local stories like this, but this, I think, leads to a, a bigger conversation we probably need to have. Uh, the controversial police stop in Youngsville recently has led to a uh, a lot of backlash in the community Uh, And Youngsville Mayor Ken Ritter has released a statement. So according to a recent report from The Advocate, uh, Councilwoman Kayla Rowe received preferential treatment after crashing a vehicle into an SUV that was parked along the street in in a Youngsville neighborhood. Um, Rowe admitted to being distracted before crashing in the SUV, had released a statement afterward, uh, According to Megan Wyatt at the Advocate, Rose never issued a citation, nor was she asked to take a field sobriety test at the scene, uh, despite the officer asking her if she had been drinking prior to the incident. According to a tweet from Wyatt as well, which ties into the story, uh, the first responding officer asked, have you been drinking? And according to this, uh, Rose responded with no, yes, possibly. There were at least two separate videos posted by the advocate from the body cam footage. In the videos, police chief Ricky Boudreaux can be seen arriving on the scene after he reportedly uh, was phoned by the councilwoman. And there's apparently an exchange there. Uh, So in Rose's statement, she said... On a November evening in 2022, I was involved in an automobile accident which occurred from a distracted driving in Youngsville where I hit a parked vehicle and sustained a concussion causing memory loss and uncharacteristic behavior. Statement goes on from there. Police Chief Ricky Boudreau released a statement to KATC and said the following. This statement is in response to the recent article published by The Advocate on Monday uh, on Sunday, March 26th. The article at issue stems from a motor vehicle collision. Uh After a careful examination of the footage, inclusive of the associated audio evidences, the investigating officers discussing whether citations should be issued at no time did I, as a supervisory official and head of the department, interfere or participate in the discussion. Uh, It should be noted that one of the investigating officers clearly states that regardless of who is on the scene, he may elect to exercise his discretion. I personally respond to a number of incidents, no matter who was involved, and they receive the exact same treatment. I have served this community with honor and respect and will continue to do so with all of my abilities. I welcome any inquiries into this matter and feel this is my obligation as a public servant to the citizens of Youngsville. There has been a lot of backlash to this. And Youngsville's mayor, Ken Ritter, has issued a statement. I condemn the unprofessional comments and behavior displayed by Miss Rowe during her invest- during her November automobile accident and during the incidents that followed. While uncharacteristic of her behavior, there is an expectation that those elected to serve are held to a higher standard. Officers should always be treated with respect and dignity, and as community leaders, we must set that example. Ritter also responded 
in the statement by saying that a special council meeting has been called for tomorrow to consider an independent investigation of the police chief. Because, again, there are allegations of using his office, his position to uh, help get the councilwoman out of trouble, essentially. Youngsville Police Department officers are career civil servants with job security that should be able to conduct themselves without fear, political pressure, or retaliation. I trust their training and judgment in an effort to eliminate allegations and restore the confidence in the integrity of the Youngsville Police Department. A special council meeting to consider an independent investigation of the chief of police has been called for this Thursday at 5 p.m. at the Youngsville Municipal Complex on two, at 201 Iberia Street. This is, this, it's a very small town story. Okay, I grew up in a small town, and there are stories from small towns all over. Everybody knows you and your brother and your sister and your mom and your daddy. Everybody knows each other, and sometimes favors are pulled, are done. In this case, it certainly seems like there was more than just doing a favor involved. It seemed like preferential treatment. Not saying it was. That's basically the allegation laid out by the advocate. And that's what a lot of people are accusing in Youngsville right now. But I think that there was, I think there's something larger to be said here. And I'm trying to say it as delicately as possible because I'm not, I'm I'm not out to accuse anybody of anything or anything like that. But in small town situations like this, and even in some larger towns, the who you know does let you skate by with a lot of things. And the chief of police in Youngsville is an elected position. Councilwoman's an elected position. Mayor's an elected position. It's stories like these where we often go with what's written in the news stories, go with what we see, go with this, uh, the commentary online. And we need to make sure that we have all of the facts when we lay these situations out. I should be very clear here. This is not an accusation or a defense of anybody. I, I, I rarely do these types of stories because it, it's, I, I rarely do these because it can hit so close to home for a lot of people. But this is something important. This goes into a larger problem that we are seeing throughout the country. If you truly believe that the councilwoman and the police chief did something wrong in this. As mentioned, these are elected positions. All too often, incumbents stay in their job because people just don't go out and vote against them. If you like who is currently in office, you are less motivated to go out and vote. If it's an open seat, you're more motivated to go pick the person you like. But more often than not, if we do go vote and somebody's an incumbent, we just stick with the incumbent because, hey, things aren't that bad right now. And even when some bad things do happen, 
you know, benefit of the doubt and all that, move on. This is one of those stories that even if, if you live in Youngsville in particular, but really anywhere because it, it affects all of us in some way, you need to pay attention to the details of these stories. Because when elected officials get too comfortable in their roles and they start making mistakes like is being alleged here, you need to be aware because that's just a gateway drug, essentially, to more abuses in office. You pay attention to these things so that you can go out and make an informed vote. The last two presidential cycles that we've had, this is where it becomes a national thing. The last two election cycles, the response from voters has been to vote against one of the candidates. In 2016, a lot of people voted against Hillary Clinton for good reason. In 2020, a lot of people voted against Donald Trump. You get the government that you vote for based on knowing all the facts. If you knew all the facts about Joe Biden, about Donald Trump, about Hillary Clinton, about one of the candidates in the primary, whatever, you made an informed vote. Regardless of how you voted, you made an informed vote. But if you went in there solely because you didn't like the person on the other side, that's not as informed a vote. Because you may dislike somebody for the traits they have, but you're not considering the traits the other person has. So when it comes to our elected officials, you need to be aware of the facts. Is this person who's running for election somebody that you can trust in a position of power? If so, why? If not, why not? Is the person running against them somebody that you can trust in a position of power? If so, why? If not, why not? In small town situations like this particular story out of Youngsville, what is going to be most important here? is whether or not the Youngsville voters understand the consequences of either keeping the same or changing things up when the next election rolls around. If officials in your government are getting too comfortable in their positions and are willing to use their power and influence for personal reasons, maybe it's time for a change. If you think this is an honest mistake or you think the allegations are not true and you, can, you, you are well informed of the story and the situation, then you vote the way you think is best and you keep those politicians around. But all too often, we go into situations not thinking completely through the situation not completely thinking through the vote that we're about to cast. It's one of the most important civic responsibilities you have is the civic responsibility to vote. And if you are not making a full and complete informed decision, are you really doing that responsibility justice? So this is a story you need to keep in mind. What happens on Thursday at the Youngsville Council meeting, you need to keep in mind. What happens here in Lafayette? 
We've talked all the we've talked several times about investigations in the mayor president's office. We talk about things going on in our other communities. When these stories come up, are you making an informed decision based on the facts of the story? Are you making an informed decision based on the fact that you don't like somebody and that's it? That's all you're thinking about. Or are you making your decision based on online gossip? It's a very tricky situation. But you have a responsibility to be fully informed when you go vote. And if you aren't, are you really doing that responsibility justice? All right, we're going to go ahead and take this break. When we come back, of course, your calls, your messages on the KPL News app. We will also get into the news of the day. Lots of stuff happening that we need to talk about, and we'll do it right here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show. Real quick, anybody who is uh, traveling or planning to travel on I-10 westbound, you do need to know that uh, congestion has hit about six miles uh, at mile marker 57 just past Roanoke. That has been an ongoing issue throughout the day. Uh, you're advised to find an alternate route. I mean, it's it's looking pretty bad. Motorists... Uh, Motors who were there have been stuck there for a while, getting like six miles of trans of of of, uh, of congestion. So please be careful about that. So there's a, another story that kind of ties into what I was talking about in the last segment, which is the responsibility of voting, and just how complicated some of these issues can actually be when you look at it it's on a slightly different angle, but still talking about the responsibility of knowing what you're voting for and why. A new poll from the Associated Press really kind of captures the paradox of what we're talking about when we talk about government spending. Overall, 60% of Americans, according to this poll, think the government spends too much. But when you actually ask about specific issues, here's their poll results. The government doesn't spend enough on education. The government doesn't spend enough on health care or Social Security or Medicare or Social Security or, or, or border security. So 60 percent of Americans say that the government spends too much overall. But when it comes to education, 12 percent say that they spend too much on education. 16 percent say they spend uh, too much on on health care. Uh, this one's uh, so so few actually say that we're spending too much on Social Security. The percent doesn't even show up in the poll. What's 62 plus 29? Uh, it's about 9%. About 9%, 8%. Yeah, 9% of people say that uh, the government spends too much on Social Security. 10% say they spend too much on Medicare. 23% say they spend too much on border security. So a majority of Americans think that we're not spending enough on education, health care, Social Security, Medicare, and border security. But a majority of Americans feel we're spending too much in, in government spending overall. It is important, as always, to know what you're voting for and what your issues are. It's important to know what what's... It's important to know the facts on this. How much are we really spending on these things? What do your politicians think about it? The more you know, the better you're able to combat the misinformation, to make responsible voting decisions. And that's what it comes down to. 
All right, when we come back, some national stories. Uh, all that and more, your calls right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation. So the aftermath of what happened in Nashville is still taking it, it's still being felt through the uh, through the media sphere. And Katie Hobbs, the governor of Arizona, who, who just won election in 2022 after beating Kari Lake, Katie Hobbs' press secretary tweeted out a GIF, one of those animated video clips saved as an image type file, tweeted out somebody brandishing two guns and tweeting the phrase, uh, us when we see transphobes or something like that. The tweet was deleted. Her, her account was locked or whatever. Uh, but it received a lot of backlash for good reason. It's essentially a call to arms against anybody who uh, is deemed transphobic, which in the case of a super progressive, like somebody who works for Katie Hobbs, would be anybody who's conservative who believes that you shouldn't have kids at incredibly sexually suggested drag shows. I mean, keep in mind, the left likes to to dwindle it down to you shouldn't take kids to a drag show. Okay? Let me be honest with you. Drag shows in general don't care one way or the other for. I mean, hell, my favorite movie is The Birdcage, and I've loved that since I was a kid. Um, you know, by the standards that the left accuses the right of, Mrs. Doubtfire and the Birdcage would no longer be allowed in in in, in society if conservatives had their way. That's what that's what the liberals try to say, which is not the case at all. It's the hypersexually suggestive stuff that conservatives continue to oppose. Take, for example, this story. There is footage of a drag queen straddling a student that went viral on Tuesday thanks to the Twitter account Libs of TikTok. Now, the North Carolina school in which this drag show took place is looking into its own policies. According to Fox News, the school in question is Forsyth Technical Community College in Winston-Salem, but the students who were invited range as young as 14 years old. Moreover, the parents of these minors were not notified of the event before it took place. One person claiming to have direct knowledge of the event told Fox News that emails were sent to all students, including high schoolers, with offers of free pizza, but no mention of a drag queen performance. These same individuals claim some of the kids were tipping the performers with cash during the event. The event was put on by a student LGBT club and was entirely voluntary, regardless, due to the oversight, the school's chief officer of student success and strategic innovation, Paula Dibley, said the school is reviewing policies for these events. Now, keep in mind, this is the type of stuff that conservatives are opposing. Now, some are going a little extreme. Some, like the whole Statue of David story out of Florida, that's that's a little too far. But when you look at the story, a drag performer straddles a student at an event that kids as young as 14 year old, 14 years old were at. 
That is not, by the standards of society that we have, that's not appropriate. By the standards that we have already built into society, not some new rule that conservatives are throwing in, but by the standards that we already have, that's inappropriate. That should not be happening in our schools. Now, if high schoolers who were under 18 were not only invited, but their parents did not give consent and they are under 18, that's a major problem. Okay? Now, the right is constantly being accused of fighting in this culture war. It's not a war that the right has started. The culture war was started by progressives who continue pushing that envelope until we get to the point where kids are being taken to sexually explicit shows. And this is where the libertarian side of me comes in. Frankly, I don't give a damn about drag performers, sex workers, anybody anywhere in that category. I don't. Do not care. What I care about is kids being involved. That is where the line should be drawn. But when we try to draw that line, that's when people like the secretary for Katie Hobbs say, well, we should shoot the conservatives, these transphobic people. You had an entire 24-hour period of media outlets apologizing for the shooter of three kids at a Nashville school Because Tennessee is passing anti-trans legislation, what Tennessee did and what these other states are doing, they're passing anti-genital mutilation for minors bills. That's what they're passing. They're passing laws that say you cannot give a sex change operation to a minor. And there is ample evidence out there now of people who undergo procedures like this or undergo the hormone therapy of these other issue of uh, these other uh, treatments this gender-affirming care, as it's being called, who regret it when they become adults. There are multiple stories, there are multiple accounts of people out there who regret it. And it's not as some, uh, some random, scarce phenomenon. It's, it's pretty, pretty routine to find people who regret that if they did it at a young age. But when conservatives say, no, you should not be giving hormone therapy to minors. When conservatives say, you should not be be undertaking genital mutilation on minors. And they're called transphobic and they're called the culture warriors. I think we've screwed up somewhere. It is incredibly irresponsible for the left to continue to push for this kind of stuff that severely mentally, emotionally, and physically affects our kids. And if they're okay with parents not being given consent on these sorts of things where a kid can just go to a drag show without parental consent, or a kid can go and get this treatment without parental consent, or a kid can go and do any number of things without parental consent, but then you start raising the specter of just how dare you on anything else regarding a minor, you've lost the plot. 
you're now way, way beyond where we were. That doesn't make the conservatives the culture warriors. That makes the people pushing this crap the culture warriors, trying to fundamentally change the culture. There are a lot of good people out there. There are, you may not know this, there are several great writers and pundits and activists on the right who are trans. Bet you didn't know that, but there are. There are several, and they are good, decent people. And they're horrified at what the progressive transgender community constantly keeps trying to push, constantly keeps trying to force down the throat of Americans because they understand you are now alienating the trans community from the general population when you start pushing for these extreme things and you are making them the enemy. You are making good and decent people who identify as a different gender, you're making them the enemy when you are pushing for people that they align with politically to be called culture warriors, transphobes, when you are calling for them to be shot, when you are calling for a day of vengeance, which is being passed around on social media now, when you're calling for a day of vengeance against transphobic people, basically conservatives, because they don't want to see this big push into this trans acceptance that goes way beyond the acceptance that we've all had for years. Again, a movie like The Birdcage doesn't get made in a world, in, in an America where everybody is afraid of, of trans people. It doesn't happen. Funnily enough, you can't make The Birdcage today because somebody in the trans community is going to find it extremely offensive. But that's where we are. This, this is the point that we've gotten to where the media won't say anything. They, they really won't say anything about this press secretary for Katie Hobbs for essentially posting a threat against conservatives on social media. But they will go out of their way to blame conservatives for a progressive trans man, a woman who identifies as a male, who went and killed three kids at a Christian school. And somehow it's always the conservatives' fault. If it's somebody with a right-wing ideology and they go and shoot something up for racial reasons or political reasons or whatever, it's all conservative rhetoric's fault. But if somebody who is a leftist goes and does it, it's also the conservatives' fault because what policies, what talking points did they have that alienated this person to make them go do it? It's never the left's fault. It's never that ideology's fault. Again, that doesn't make the right the culture warriors. That makes the right conservative. They're trying to conserve the culture we currently have. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, let's jump onto the phone lines now. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who's on the line? Call, are you there? Caller? Okay. Caller, try back. Um... 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, let's go ahead and take a break if that call wants to call back. Or if you want to call in, absolutely go ahead. We'll take this break, and we'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. Uh, so I have bad news. 
there is breakfast flavored ramen now. The uh, so if you've ever seen cup noodles ramen, it's delicious. I love ramen. Now I I love like a legit like bowl of like homemade ramen, but the the instant ramen stuff is is great in a pinch. You learn to love that stuff in college and it just keeps you going. Um, I like to buy the the dry ramen noodles and then make my own ramen broth, but that's a, a story for a different day. It's delicious when you do it right. But anyway, Cup Noodles is now releasing Cup Noodles Breakfast, which is ramen that will be flavored like maple syrup, pancakes, sausage, and egg. And that legitimately terrifies me. Um, the <laughs> But this is indicative, actually, of a bigger problem. CNN writing this story starts it out like this. The high price of eggs and other breakfast staples is forcing some to look for cheaper breakfast alternatives. How about ramen? But see, as much fun as you can have with the premise of breakfast-flavored ramen, here's the problem here. Breakfast has gotten a lot more expensive. Eggs, Egg prices in February were 55% higher than they were last year, despite declining price in recent months. Other brands known for breakfast, like cereal makers Kellogg and Post Brands, increased prices last year. People between 18 and 34 years old are considerably more likely than their older counterparts to choose a more convenient breakfast such as cereal or fast food because it's easier to eat during their morning hustle, according to uh, Paige Layden, Mentel's Associate Director of Food Service Flavors and Ingredients. The inflation problems continue to be something that plagues the American wallet basically. And so it's leading to things like this, but it's also leading to other very serious problems. Uh, More and more now, people are taking up a second job. That's a story that is in, that is at CNBC today. 62% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. And so more people have a side job now. Um, Along with this, you know, we now see the way that the presidential election is now shaping up or at least how the primary is shaping up. And again, it comes down to who, which candidate is going to be able to make the right choices when it comes to governance and who is going to be able to convince people that they can make the right choices on governance. A new Quinnipiac poll suggests that American voters are once again shifting back to Ron DeSantis a little bit. Ron DeSantis uh, in this 2024 election poll is uh, would is more likely to beat Joe Biden than Donald Trump is. In this poll, DeSantis comes in at 48% over Joe Biden's 46%. But when Trump is the Republican candidate, Trump performs at 46%, down two points from Biden's 48%. Trump performs 10 points worse than DeSantis among independents and nine points worse among voters who are 65 and older. Meanwhile, Nikki Haley has found her lane going to be protecting women from the trans stuff I was talking about just now. There is a growing movement among women to speak out about the trans issue, particularly as it refers to trans women, men who identify as women, taking part in women-centric activities like sports because there are physical, biological advantages to having been a male and then just say that you've been on hormone for like a minimum of a year and say that you've gone to therapy and all that and that you're a woman now. And when those biologically, physically different 
trans women compete against regular women, they have a, a, a physical advantage. And there are numerous women out there who are speaking out about it. And Nikki Haley is now kind of taking that lane in terms of the 2024 presidential primary. So that is a pers- that is a, everybody thinks that 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 Ron DeSantis has the you know, has uh has the monopoly on the culture war stuff, but Nikki Haley has the perspective of being a woman running for it, running for president and being able to talk about that issue. And Nikki Haley can pull women to her. And that is a demographic that in large part, the GOP typically kind of struggles with, especially suburban women. If Nikki Haley can do better among them by taking that pathway, of course, but will Nikki Haley, will Ron DeSantis, will Donald Trump, will Mike Pence or Mike Pompeo or Tim Scott or anybody else who's going to run, will any of them be able to say, by the way, we know your breakfast is too expensive right now. I'm going to fight to change that. I'm going to fight to make sure that inflation comes down. And I'm going to make sure that the economy works for you rather than you having to work tri- twice as hard to keep your head above water in this economy. Again, it's going to come down to who can say they can do the right thing when it comes to governance. We don't know that yet, but Americans are kind of shifting back and forth right now between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. But We're still a far ways out, and there's still a lot to be said and done in that time frame. All right, that's it for me. 23 hours until I come back. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and of course, You can email me, joe at redstate.com. The podcast version of the show will be up in a little bit on joecunninghamshow.substack.com. That's it for me. Shannon is offside with Gary Cruz here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.